If you want 2024 to be your best running year, it is essential you have a customized training plan tailored to your race schedule and ability level. That's why I'm pumped to have Motive sponsoring the podcast. You can use the app for free, but if you want two months of premium access, you can use code SMARTER2. Sign up at mymotive.com. The link will be in the show notes. On today's episode, six steps on how to grow as a healthy runner with Dwayne Scotty. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I'm a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. Dwayne and I have a good uh, arrangement going, it seems. Um, I've appeared on his podcast several times before and vice versa. Um, back in April 2021, um, he first came onto a, the Run Smarter podcast talking about the three essential types of running. Uh, we then talked about shin splints uh, in May 2020 um, and then more recently, um, January 2022, so I don't know, it's more than a year old, but uh, Dwayne talked about the benefits of base training and talked about all the different types, elements of training. So you can go check out those um, if that's something that interests you. Let me just give you the episode number for the most recent one, episode 210. If you want to have a look at that, if you love what Dwayne talks about, right now he has... Um, spent a lot of time and dedication formulating this six-step plan to grow as a healthy runner and has the PDF for you, which I'll include in the show notes. And like I said, full of knowledge, love having him on the podcast, love having a bit of a collab with him, um, cross-promoting audiences. So if you love his stuff, uh, check out the Healthy Runner podcast and yeah, let's dive into it. Dwayne Scotty, long-term friend of the podcast, welcome back. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to chat with you, and I always look forward to these uh, talks. Yeah, absolutely. What's new? What's new in like your research side of things and the podcast side of things? Um, what do you have going on? Yeah, so podcast actually uh, just hit the three-year anniversary. Uh, so excellent. That was pretty exciting, and you know, as you know, it's kind of a labor of love, and mm -hmm. it is. It is nice to always reflect and to see, you know, never thought I would, I guess, be here at this point when we first started. So it's always nice to look back and, and reflect and see the growth and see uh, the progress transformation, just like in our running journey, um, you know, that we see in the podcast journey itself. So that's, uh, that's always a, a fun um, journey as it is. And in terms of uh, research, we just did um, finish up, thank you for your help in getting the word out with our survey 
um, for runners and looking at running related injuries and perceptions. Um, so we just finished uh, presenting that initial research. So we'll be submitting um, to some larger national conferences, but pretty much uh, the synopsis is running related injuries are very prevalent, um, <laughs> which we found nine out of 10 runners, uh, 90% in our sample. And runners, um, we, we do know that uh, the older runners, um, those who are in the higher age range do have increased injuries and um, their perceptions are they they do value age as one of those those factors that contribute to running related injuries so they they kind of know it as well yeah well looking forward to when that's finally published and getting a, a read of that looking forward to it um you also like as i am a listener of your podcast you had this uh episode on these uh six sort of areas to to help a runner to become more complete, more well-rounded. Uh, how'd that idea come about? This has been a long time in the making and, you know, similar to you, this definitely is not a book by any means uh, <laughs> with your amazing accomplishment, but, you know, all of these ideas, the things that we've been researching over the years, um, the chats that we've had with experts in the running space, you know, I've been kind of synthesizing this in my head and with our coaching team as well. And we really kind of came up with this six-step plan or six-step framework on how we really grow as runners in order to optimize our running for longevity and prevent ourselves from getting injured, right? Like we said, you know, 90% of runners may suffer a running-related injury. And this is something that I've definitely evolved on in terms of when I was just a physical therapist to, you know, turning into run coach as well, and really started to see the value that, you know, things such as proper nutrition or proper training and the actual run plan itself and or recovery or race day plan play a role in actually us growing as runners, no matter what that goal is, whether it's just to get out the door for three days a week for general fitness or you have some like amazing, you know, Boston qualifying goals for your marathon, or you want to get a PR or PB at your marathon. So really kind of synthesize this into this kind of six step plan. With that said, uh, you've got these six steps. Uh, what's, what's number one, let's dive into that and we'll break it down a bit further. Yeah. And if, if you don't mind me just kind of mentioning Birdie before we get into the details is that the thing that's really at stake if we don't really learn these six foundational principles is either someone listening to this you know, podcast right now or someone you know is going to have to give up running in the next five years. And I'm really passionate about this because that would have been me at the beginning of my running journey where 12 years ago, I had a hip arthroscopy for a labral tear and started running after to get back in shape because I was getting dad bod, um, being a young father of two girls. And I suffered my first running related injury, which you will uh, relate to well, because it was PHT, proximal hamstring oh, yes. tendinopathy. And hmm. you have seen many patients with this condition. But back then, 12 years ago, there wasn't a lot of information out on this topic like you know you have put out there for the running community so 
unfortunately, I had this injury. I couldn't sit for more than 10 minutes. And I just thought my body was not meant for running. And even, you know, luckily I was pretty stubborn and being a sports physical therapist, you know, I really did my own research and really figured out that runners are different from just the average population. And that was really, you know, my epiphany is really that runners need to be treated like athletes. So just like Tom Brady or LeBron James, or I'm sure over there, soccer stars like Messi, Ronaldo, whoever, I don't know any rugby players. So, um, (laughs) would take care of their bodies. Us as adults who run for just general fitness and as a hobby, we need to stop thinking of running as just a form of exercise, but we actually need to think of it as a sport and really take it seriously, but not too serious, of course, but really start to learn how to train in order to actually run. So this kind of six foundational principles, I feel really encompasses that model of learning how to train in order to run. So you don't have to, you know, have a friend of yours or yourself thinking like your body's not meant for running and you just stop doing the thing that you love. Because if you're anything like me, like I need to get those mental clearing miles in. um, And I know how much of a difference that makes in my life and a lot of the runners in our community as well. I know how much it impacts there. So hopefully these six uh, tips will be helpful for your listeners as well. So we can start to train in order to run. Yeah, well said. And I think people need to, if they want to run and they, they want it to be a lifestyle and they want to have that, like you said before, longevity to continue, um, they sort of need to treat it as such. They need to treat it as like a, um, need to look at all elements and facets of life to um, push you towards that goal. And it's not just the running there, as we'll talk about today, there's a lot of other elements that outside of your running that play crucial roles in you know, reducing your risk of injury, increasing your running performance safely. And if you do have an injury, how to overcome that. And so um, looking forward to diving into these elements. Should we dive into number one? Yes, let's do it. All right, what do we have for us? So uh, mindset, it all starts with the mind. Um, running is, is really, honestly, a mental sport. Um, not only is it a physical challenge to our bodies, whether you're thinking about your cardiovascular system, like being able to breathe, not being winded, or you're thinking about your muscles and your legs, just being able to go the distance, right? And not feeling like your legs are heavy or they can't, you know, run as fast as you want to run because you're just not strong enough or your leg muscles won't handle it. Um, Training the mind really is important to number one, help reduce anxiety and really provide you the confidence and self-belief that you can do hard things. And having the proper mindset really is key and puts you in a position to overcome the negative thoughts and beliefs that will creep into your head during training. No matter if you know, you're just looking to get consistent with your running or you are shooting for that like big lofty marathon goal and you know you want to get a personal best. So having proper mindset also really helps you be consistent with your training, which is key. And really going from like a part-time runner to being a committed runner. Hmm. A lot of people like identify themselves as a runner 
and a lot of people run for mental health. They, they sort of like, they use that and they put themselves in a good mindset, a good frame when they are, when things are going well, um, people use it a lot for stress relief and that sort of stuff. But you and I, we, we see injured runners all the time. And sometimes when injured, that can sort of be paused a lot or someone's mind mindset can completely change. And for example, like if someone is running for stress relief, a lot of people do that, um, but then they're injured and can't run or are limited to the amount of running they can do. You're taking away that kind of that stress relief that they had and that, you know, their mindset, their mental health starts to be a, um, you know, a detriment to them. Do you have an idea or any advice for those who find that maybe their mindset's sort of slipping because of circumstances such as injury and that sort of stuff? Yeah. And that, that is a, a great point that you bring in like with the injured runner and if they can't do what they were used to doing, um, I think it really goes back to their why and why they actually, you know, enjoy running. And if it is for that mental release and it is because they have a stressful job or, you know, they're taking care of a sick parent or, you know, they got three or four kids at home and that's the only 30 minutes of their whole day that they actually have to themselves to actually just have thoughts to themselves without someone asking, you know, mom, like, you know, for the next thing and tugging on them. Um, it's hard when they get that taken away, right? That, that time freedom that they've had. So thinking about it's important for them to, if they're injured, right, do this the right way and learn how to heal from their injury so they can get back into running. So really taking that energy that they had in going out for a run and transferring that energy into recovering from their injury or perhaps focusing on some other elements that we're going to talk about today, you know, if they're not running as many miles as long as they were when they were healthy. Yeah. Well said. Cause some people can say, oh, um, I run for mental health, but it's really the cardiovascular thing. It's really like exercising that's, or getting them outdoors, getting a fresh air, getting time to themselves. Like you said, um, all of those could be substituted with stuff like cross training or just walking outside or just meditating or something that. Um, can have similar benefits once you boil down to the reason why. So I think that's great. Um, from a non-injured runner side of things, um, do you have any sort of practical tips for people to sort of boost their mindset or to to get this piece of the puzzle like sort of clicking and fitting into place? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess even just setting the table a little bit for that, I really think about like three mental priorities that runners should really have clear in order to grow in their running journey, right? And that's what we're talking about today. And that is having specific goals and then having a reason behind those goals. Like, do you want to shave five minutes off your marathon time? Okay, that's great, but why, right? Because you're gonna need a strong why when you're doing that random training run on a Tuesday and it's cold outside or you're not feeling great because your kid kept you up at night and you didn't get great sleep and you have to get out there for a run because it's the only time in the next two days that you can get a run in, right? So having that strong why 
and identifying it is going to be very helpful during your training and then if you are racing during your race. And then the other variable, which I know you talk a lot about as well, Brody, is thinking about your whole life and thinking about the stressors that you have in your life. And we do know that this is the greatest contributor to injuries, you know, as well as the perfectionist personality that many of us runners um, go into running, um, tend to be the type A person and personality. And we do know that that has an increased risk of getting a running related injury. So keeping that in perspective, and I just actually had this chat with my last client that I was just on a call with because he just told me he was moving uh, from Texas to Seattle in the States here. And we were talking about his race planning and we brought up this fact and he didn't even think about it, right? That, hey, it's not going to be realistic for him to get his 10K PR um, if he's going to be moving two weeks prior and packing everything up and all the stress that goes into moving. So we had talked about that and kind of shifting around the race day calendar. And then really lastly is having clear and realistic expectations. I get so many runners who say, I want to run a sub two hour half marathon, or I want to run a sub four hour, sub three thirty marathon, but they really don't have any specific perhaps realistic, they just want to do it because they heard the number is like what you should shoot for, or they think that number will prove to themselves that they're X caliber or blank caliber of a runner, right? So thinking about having clear and realistic expectations based upon where you are in your running journey. So I think those three kind of mental priorities are key before we get into some uh, practical tips Okay. Let me sum that up. So the mental priorities, so goals, and also attach that with the reason for having those goals, um, considering like the entire life, your life stresses, uh, personality, like that all encompassing kind of phrase. And then also expectations, which I think is, um, a big one to have. I just had a very, very similar conversation, um, with a client this morning talking about they were injured and preparing for a marathon. And, you know, four months ago when we started this off, I said, this won't be your PR marathon, like where you're injured, you're managing an injury, but you really want to do this race. Okay, let's do it, but it's not going to be your best. And now we're sort of getting four weeks away from that marathon and feeling, she's feeling really, really good. And is starting to have that conversation about what's my pacing strategy? How do I, you know, get the best? And I kind of have to remind her, okay, months ago, we talked about, we're not in the best shape for PR this is, you know, we need to have realistic expectations when it comes to this race. Um, and so I had to sort of pull her back on that. So uh, very, very important that people have these. And I do think runners themselves, their mindset, they're very critical, like they, they're very harsh on themselves. You know, they drill themselves in, they, they grind themselves to the ground and then they worry when they get injured or they blame themselves when they're injured. And a lot of that comes down to expectations. So very clear that we, we highlight those points. Absolutely. And that is so important. And it is so common because we get that little bit of taste of, yeah. you know, things are going in the right direction. And I just had another Achilles, you know, guy, same thing, like pain levels are down to like a one. He's just feeling a little stiffness in the morning. And he's like, yeah, what can we add in, you know, speed work? Like he wants to run faster. 
And I'm like, okay, you, you, it was only two weeks ago that you had a pain level of a five out of 10. Right. And, you know, people try to rush into those things a little bit too quickly. So yeah, those realistic expectations are uh, definitely key. You aren't a template. So your training shouldn't be either. The Motive app takes training plans written by the best coaches in the world, then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. It's such a good idea, which is why it is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world and has thousands of age group athletes signing up every month with a near perfect 4.9 star rating. It will even plan triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, and other events if you're branching away from running races. You can use the app for free for as long as you want, with the premium access being just $19.99 per month. But if you use code SMARTER2, you can get two months of full premium access. Sign up through their website, mymotive.com, and make 2024 your best year yet. It's becoming one of my favorite um, phrases to say, it's get when getting better, getting better is the most dangerous part of your rehab, I think. <laughs> so I, um, I think I'm going to keep saying that and I think I'm going to keep highlighting that. Um, point two, um, part two of this six part is diving into strength. So why is strength important and what does that kind of look like? Yeah, so strength is um, strength is your foundation, right? So I use this analogy of like, building a strong, durable home in this kind of six part running journey. And strength training is that foundation where if you don't, you know, develop a strong running body, then you're not going to be able to enjoy lifelong injury free running. So to summarize it very briefly, it's really important from a performance aspect, as well as an injury prevention aspect. We do know that, you know, there is some literature out there that does show it does enhance performance um, systematic review in 2018 it does improve running economy so the energy cost of running at submaximal intensity as well as improving some anaerobic qualities such as maximal speed anaerobic capacity but it also has many hidden benefits such as improving bone density your bone health it reducing muscle loss as we age so especially if you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, and you're looking for longevity, like strength training is going to help on that aspect. And even though we don't have any strong literature to support decreasing injury risk in runners, and the primary reason why I think that does occur is because most runners do exactly what we just talked about, Brody, is once you start feeling better from your injury, you now go to that next level of running intensity and it's really hard to control for studies, but anecdotal evidence will tell us, and you have seen many, many runners, so I'm sure you'd agree with this, but if we do strength training, we're really going to, number one, get down to the root causes of why someone got injured in the first place, strengthen that tissue to build up the tissue capacity to withstand the load right, of running, and then be able to prevent it from coming back again. So it is going to be very, very protective for your body. Um, so not only will you run better, but you're going to also decrease your risk for getting injured in the future. Yeah, well said. Um, what, in your eyes, what does a good s strength training program look like for a recreational runner? 
Yeah, it needs to definitely be balanced. And I would say, you know, this is definitely a deep dive um, topic, but kind of, I guess, just generally speaking, you want to think that your strength training should look different during, depending upon your training cycle throughout the calendar year. So we always want to think in training cycles. So you're not going to start a new strength program and lift super heavy if you are going for your first marathon training cycle in five years. That really wouldn't make sense. So think about varying your strength training depending upon what your running goals are throughout your calendar year. But I would say generally that we want to definitely activate run-specific muscles. So there are certain muscles in our body that are used a lot when we run, lower speeds, the calf muscles for sure. So we really need to dedicate some specific calf strengthening your side hip muscles, your deep hip rotator muscles, often forgotten about, but those muscles are key when we are standing on one leg and when we run, we're always on one leg. So we wanna make sure that we are actually kicking in those muscles with your strength training. And then as you've alluded to before on many episodes, I've heard you speak about this topic is when we're running at faster speeds, definitely the hamstrings are gonna kick in more. So we need strength resilience. Like I am a big, huge believer in the hamstring Nordic curl for all runners um, in really building the resilience and preventing like that PHT that we see all too often um, in our runners, but hamstrings and even hip flexors a little bit. And then we know the quads are important and, and don't be afraid to lift heavy at times of the year. We know that lifting heavier and building load, as long as your form is good, that can be very protective for us runners and not and avoiding the old, you know, 100 reps of air squats um, and in doing your strength training that looks like endurance training, because that's not what we need as runners. We are endurance athletes already as runners. We need a different form of strength training to actually build up that strength build up the power, the resiliency in the muscles. And then, sorry, last point, but is jump training, plyometrics at, depending upon where you are in your training cycle, doing a nice cycle of progressive plyometric training can be super protective for your tendons, as well as training your muscles to be plyometric in nature, because that's how they contract when we are running. Excellent. And uh, people might be asking like, how many times in the week does it, uh, what's the frequency of strength training? What does it look like in different phases of a, a training cycle? Um, what do you have for that? Yeah. So if someone is in, let's say base building phase, they are not racing during this calendar, you know, season. And this is where I am currently in my three months and it's lifting heavy and it is three times a week. And then as you get into, let's say it's a new half marathon training you haven't done a whole lot of half marathons, I wouldn't have you doing strength training three times a week. Same thing for marathon training. I'd have you doing it two times a week. But then as we get closer and peak in your training, I'll even drop that down to once a week. And then, you know, leading up to a race of a marathon, the two weeks up to that marathon, I even have clients just do a couple activation exercises, but take out strength training altogether allow the body to recover, and then we start to build back up again. So it really depends upon your level of fitness, what race you're running, or what are you training for, and what is your experience with strength training, as well as what is your experience with either half marathon training or marathon training. Covering all bases there. Well done. Um, step number three is your training plan. Where does that 
fit into your um, house analogy? We had strength training as the foundation. What would the, the run plan be? Yeah, this is like the framing of the house. And this is pretty much what most runners are good at, even though they make many training errors. So everyone thinks, yes, I run, right? Like we talked about in the beginning. So this is the one point that's the actual running. But a lot of times we're not doing it smart and we're not doing it with proper progression. So you really want to run fast and run far by properly progressing your run plan around four key types of runs as building blocks. And the more you get advanced, the more years you get under your running journey belt, then you can even add more than these four types of runs. But you really want to master easy runs and make sure that they are in fact easy. You want to master the long run. And that is a key element to really progressing even if your distance is a 5K, let's say, you need to still do a long run during your week and not run four miles every day, five miles every day, or 3K every day, right? Like you need to actually vary the distances and the time that you are running. And then the other two runs are really the tempo run or the threshold pace, like running at that different pace. And then the interval run and just knowing when to actually add those in. And I see so many novice runners who honestly, most of the prefabricated plans on our watches, whether it is Garmin, Nike, like there are so many that I've seen. I think far too many of those plans are way too aggressive for novice runners at those distances where they start adding in all of these types of runs and start adding in speed work way before someone even has established some consistent mileage and consistent time on their feet running and learning how to run at an easy pace with good form. Um, so really mastering those four types of runs and knowing when they fit in your plan. And I know we've done a deep dive on your podcast before about those different types of runs. So I'm sure you can link that um, episode in the uh, show notes. Definitely can. Um, but just quickly, uh, these four sessions, so you got the, the easy run, the long run, the tempo and interval, we're talking about like all of those within the one week. Should we be sprinkling those four sessions throughout seven days? Yeah, it would be very rare that someone would actually be doing all four of those. So that would essentially mean like three hard workouts, a long run being a hard workout, tempo run being hard and an interval run being hard. You are a very, very advanced runner if you are doing that. Um, and even most advanced runners now will sprinkle in some speed work into the long run. So it still results in really two hard days during a training week. Um, so again, depending upon your goals, and sometimes what we'll do is we'll really phase in, let's say marathon training, for example, we will have you in the beginning, let's say it's a 16 week marathon training plan or 20 week in the beginning of your plan, we'll actually work on some interval runs to really get leg turnover. And then as we get closer to the marathon, we really want to build out the stamina and hold the faster paces for longer, but you're not going to go as fast as like an interval run pace where we'll actually do more tempo and threshold pace. And then even as we get closer, now we start really locking your body into marathon pace running. So it's still faster than easy pace. And it's really training you for the event that you're really looking for. If you're 5K training, 
then it's definitely going to be more the interval runs and some tempo runs in there. But I would even, you know, lay a little bit more weight to interval runs, you know, in that plan as we uh, build in that training. Good work, mate. I'm enjoying this house analogy because I think, you know, the run plan, as you say, is the frame of the house. If you tell someone build a house, they're going to start, you know, putting together all the four sides and the roof and that sort of thing and say, yeah, here's the house. But not a lot of people spend a lot of time on the foundation and your house is going to collapse if it doesn't have a nice foundation. So that's where the strength comes into it. Um, what about our next step? How does that phase into the the house analogy? So the ha- house analogy is, is one of these things um, – that uh, Brooke, our registered dietitian in our Healthy Runner uh, program in our community, uh, we always talk about that carbs give us spark. And so then, you know, spark, electricity. So that's how this got thrown in there with the analogy is like, you know, this part of the house, we got the frame. So now we got to bring in electrical. We got to bring in plumbing, right? You got to bring in your HVAC, your internet wiring. And this is really the nutrition in our running journey. And if we can implement a simple, easy strategy to make sure that we don't run out of energy or bonk at your next race. And I stress that, that it doesn't need to be overcomplicated. And, you know, there are, I, I can share, you know, five tips or five common, you know, things that runners usually get wrong. And, you know, you don't need a super detailed you know, nutrition plan that's specific for runners. It's, it's just really doing these basic, simple principles that most runners, quite frankly, aren't doing. Right. I, I get the, like, don't try to overcomplicate it because, you know, nutrition, the topic of nutrition is very, very popular uh, when I ever have nutrition episodes and there's just so many takes and I get so many questions flooding in. It's like, what about paleo? What about, you know, X, Y, Z, low carb fasting, all these sorts of things. Um, And so a lot of people take a lot of different directions and a lot of people respond differently to different sort of approaches. Um, So if we're looking at not complicating it, looking at a simplified version, uh, what does that look like? Yeah. So if, you know, simplified version is really going to be an you need to eat enough food to support your training. And, you know, this is really where a lot of runners go into running because they wanted to get healthy and they see running as a form of exercise that they can get healthy. And most people, honestly, and this was me when I first started running, like I said, after surgery, I was non-weight bearing for six weeks on crutches after my little microfracture procedure. And, you know, I was getting that dad bod. I needed to like, you know, get back like the physical fitness. I wanted to lose some weight. And a lot of runners come into running, like looking to lose weight. And the diet culture that we've brought, been brought up in is like, hey, you need to like go on a diet to lose weight. And now you're going to run to lose weight. So these things really conflict and we need to eat enough food to support your training. And some signs that you're not eating enough is, you know, really, or signs that you are eating enough is you're not having those afternoon or evening cravings um, or energy crashes. You know, you're actually recovering from your workouts. You're not skipping meals. You're feeling energized during your runs. Um, Hunger is well-managed during the day. You're not like getting these sudden, you know, cravings and you're starving during the day. And um, 
that's what's going to happen when you really eat enough food to support your training. And then, yeah, we are believers of eating plenty of carbs and carbs are not the enemy. Um, they are our primary source of energy for us as runners. And you use more carbohydrates um, and you're going to need more carbohydrates as your training loads increase. So if you're building out your long runs to be able to train for a half marathon or to train for a marathon, you're going to need more carbs for energy so you can actually feel good out there and not feel like my legs just couldn't go. And a lot of people have the misconception of that their legs aren't conditioned enough or their body's not meant to run you know, 13.1 or 26.2. And it's amazing what happens when we actually fuel properly and it feels so much better. And then you can actually get what you need to get out of that run. Um, so making sure that your meals or snacks include carbohydrates, which are very effective for runners, like pasta, rice, bread, grains, fruits. It's all about portion size. And I feel like those foods have been like demonized in like diet culture for many, many years. Um, and, you know, we wouldn't expect our cars to run on like empty, right? I don't know if anyone's ever been there where they do run out of gas. <laughs> Happened to me a couple of times uh, or my tractor uh, mowing the lawn, um, <laughs> you know, so you're not going to be able to run if you have no fuel and, you know, carbs are your fuel, food is fuel, and you shouldn't expect the same thing from your body. And then really, I guess two other quick points that we do see very common, and I used to do this all the time, is you know, you don't need to run fasted. And that's not the way, and the belief is that you run fasted is gonna, um, you know, you're gonna burn more fat. And that's what I used to believe for the first like six years of my running journey. And you know, running fasted really just increases cortisol and stress hormone even more so. And that's going to actually increase your risk for injury. And that's probably going to allow your body to go into like starvation mode and actually store more fat. Um, so running fast, it doesn't burn fat and it will actually lead to more muscle breakdown, which is actually the opposite of what you want to happen as a runner to be protective for your body. Like we were talking about from an injury prevention standpoint, as well as even a performance standpoint. Um, so making sure that you do eat snacks, um, before your runs, you fuel before your runs. And if you're just going for a 20 or 30 minute run, no, I'm not saying you need to eat something before that, but if you are really going for more than 30 minutes, especially if it is going to be one of those tempo runs, interval runs, and you're expecting yourself to hit a certain performance level, either pace, effort level, then you're going to want to fuel for that. And you're certainly going to want to fuel for your long runs beforehand, as well as during that long run. So making sure that you are bringing fuel with you that you can have during that long run. Well said. And yeah, I've seen many cases where people just start eating more and they feel so much better, both with their like performance, how they're recovering, and even like their injuries. They, they seem to be bouncing back a, a lot better. And so important for people to kind of analyze how much am I eating? What, what's my hunger levels like? Um, a few points that you touched on there about tuning in with your body and seeing if that's something you need to investigate. Um, great. Because I do think people are sort of pulled aside or like pulled away towards the, the diet kind of culture or eating less, less carbs, fasted, all that sort of stuff. Um, when 
might not be working for them. It actually might be very detrimental to their performance, recovery, and those sorts of things. So very good to highlight those points. Um, the next one we have is recovery. So where are we when it comes to recovery? What's what's your advice for people? Recovery simply is part of the training. And your ability to recover is key to you actually hitting your running goals. And this is one of, again, one of the most challenging things we have to educate our runners in our program about um, because as I mentioned before, most of us runners are type A personality and we think more is better and or we think that we if we do more and we add in a run or we add in miles or we add pace and you run faster during a run, that's going to result in more on the other end. And usually it's the opposite. Um, so in the house analogy, this is like, you know, the insulation, there's like the finishing touches of the interior. It's like your insulation, your drywall, maybe your flooring, maybe a little crown molding. Um, so just like insulation is going to help control like your home's climate, and it's going to also help with your home's energy efficiency. Proper recovery is going to help really feel fresh during your runs. It's going to make you more efficient. It's going to reduce fatigue. It's going to help you stay healthy during your runs. And it's really a matter of um, making sure that we're recovering your physical status. So let's say your muscles, your tendons, your feet, the feet take a lot of pounding, um, your heart, your lungs, but then also mentally. And we do see that a lot, right? When you get to peaking in a half marathon or marathon training cycle, it's that mental burnout that most runners are facing. And, you know, I feel strongly that if you actually do recovery during your training, you're not going to be that runner that runs your race and says, I need a break from running, or now I need to go and rehab and fix my injury. And I'm not going to run for four weeks. I'm not going to run for six weeks. I'm not going to run for eight weeks. Like you shouldn't need to do that. That is not normal where that's actually the healthy way for you to hit your running goals. If you actually nail the recovery part and make it part of your training, then you have a weak recovery after your goal race and you slowly get back into it. But you're not mentally and physically taking your body to the limits. And now you have to actually take this long period of time away from running. Um, so yeah, there. I guess, you know, as far as what are the strategies for recovery, just to highlight a couple is, I guess the biggest one is making sure you do have a rest and recovery day. And I'm a big proponent that everyone, no matter what level you are, you need a rest recovery day from no strength training or running. If you want to do some restorative yoga, I'm totally fine with that. But we are not, if you want to just get the legs moving on a bike at a super low level, I'm okay with that as well. But you're not taking a spinning class. You're not, you know, taking a hard yoga class. We need that rest and recovery one day a week. I am not a fan of run streaks by any means. Um, I know some people do it and it helps them keep them mentally motivated, but I would challenge them to find other strategies to maintain that mental motivation they need because if they actually allow the rest and recovery, they will see more gains in all the other days that they are running. Um, so that's like primary and key, but then sleep. And you've talked about this before in your show, 
you know, sleep is so important to allow the body to recover. Um, Self-care tips, like making sure that you are actually focusing. And this is something I spent a lot of time during my last marathon last fall is really dedicating time to myself. And I took up journaling, which I found an amazing outlet to actually reflect on number one, your day's work, stress levels, all of that, allow the brain to shut down before bedtime, but then also allow you to reflect on your training and be able to actually express gratitude that we are able to go outside and run, that we're able to clear our minds, that we're able to enjoy a beautiful sunrise, that we're able to enjoy you know, the different colors that we see out on a run. And I, I think it just helps put so much into perspective and helps also decrease some of those negative thoughts, the comparison trap that many runners get into of, oh, I saw my friend on Strava running at this pace, or my friend just ran 16 miles and I'm only running 10 miles for my long runs, right? And really allow you to focus on your improvements in your running journey and really kind of stay grounded. Um, So any kind of self-care tips for journaling, meditation, um, reading, right? Reflecting, all of those things are important for the mind. But then this is where I like to put in our soft tissue, you know, care strategies, whether you're going to get on your foam roller, use your percussion, you know, massage gun, actually do some stretching, do some restorative yoga. Um, That's really, you know, where I kind of put these things into the bucket. And I also throw in there, you know, Epsom salt baths, compression socks, elevating your feet after long runs when it's really humid outside. And it's the first time that you've run a 16 or an 18 miler um, during your marathon training. All of that is actually very good for the body in order for it to recover. A lot to unpack there. Very, very well answered comprehensively, I would say. Um, I think it's an overarching theme that in order to train hard, you need to recover hard. I think there's just there's this cycle, this adaptation cycle that we need to respect and we can't sort of deny. You, if you, the harder you train, the more you need to enhance your recovery strategies in order to adapt, in order to, you know, complete that cycle. And, you know, a lot of runners will say, I get up to, you know, a 60K week and every time I exceed 60Ks in a week, my body breaks down and I get injured. And part of me thinks, well, maybe you have a certain default state of recovery where you might have a rest day per week, but you're only sleeping, you know, maybe seven hours per night. You might be eating, you know, I guess maybe neutral or sort of like suboptimal, like most people have a suboptimal diet. And all of these recovery strategies are fine, up and to a point, and they sort of sort of have this um, this default state where they can only train a certain amount. But then once you pass that threshold, that's when the body starts to bounce back or like um, push back, I should say, and you start to have the the discrepancy between training and recovery, and that's when your body starts to get a little bit more um, overloaded, and uh, an injury can very slowly start to surface. So, if someone is running a certain amount and has endeavors to train for a marathon and then an ultra and then you know go beyond those you need to really have a look at 
how well am I sleeping? What's my stress levels like? How am I eating? And sort of um, look at those elements to say if there's any wiggle room to enhance those buckets so that I can better handle the increased levels of training. I think that's really important. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, it's super important. Let's land the plane here, mate, because we've got one final piece of the puzzle. And what would that be? And that's really uh, race strategy. And this might not be for everyone listening. If you, you know, are running out there for mental health, physical health, and you don't care about races, we have runners in our program that are just that. And they are totally cool without racing. They don't need this. So this is like in our uh, house analogy, you know, this is going to be the final step in the home building process. And, you know, just like your landscaping or the exterior of the home um, is like the nice thing uh, to do. And it will just perk it up a little bit. Um, It's not needed for everyone. But if you are looking to improve race performance, then you don't want to do all of the training, but then not have the right strategy right strategy for race day. And, you know, we actually have a whole PDF download on, you know, 10 tips for a great race, but then more, more importantly, planning and actually having a race ready checklist is key as well as a race day game plan. And we actually have that written out where you can like go through the race essentials that you need. So you don't forget anything, race day clothing, what's the gear you need, you know, what are you going to eat? drink? Are you checking your bag? So we have all of those things kind of laid out for you as well as setting up and planning your schedule. What time are you waking up? When are you getting dressed? What time are you eating? Because a lot of runners and myself included, this actually happened at my last marathon, can get some pre-race anxiety. And the more that you plan out and the more that you don't have to think about it, and the more strategy that you implement, and then also there's a huge pacing strategy element to racing, um, that is going to set you up for actually towing the line confident, executing a smart race, and actually feeling strong at the end. So you are the person who's actually passing people, and you're finishing that race feeling strong and successful that your training actually um, was worth it versus walking at the end or everyone's passing you and you've just run out of steam because even though you did the 12, 16, 20 weeks of training before that, you didn't actually execute the right strategy. So yeah, we have that all laid out in like a lot of detail. It's been a tremendous asset um, to our runners and just taking away the guesswork and really decreasing that pre-race jitters. Um, so I can also, you know, shoot you that link, um, as well. Excellent. Um, yeah, I'd love that. If going back to your point about the, the race anxiety, um, one of the ideas with a race strategy, particularly for like a marathon, um, is having like a fueling strategy, like how, when to drink, what to eat, when to fuel, if you have this, like a race gel, when to have those, um, and that comes into it. But you know, if you have a plan, you probably have less anxiety. And for those who do have like race jitters and stress or nerves and those sorts of things, your body actually struggles to digest a lot of stuff. So you might have, you might have your breakfast that you've had the whole entire time in your training plan, but not really digest it and absorb it 
well because you're nervous because it's race day and because you have those jitters and then when you start racing you kind of have an upset stomach and you follow the plan of like having a gel and you probably can't digest that quite as well because you know when you're stressed you don't you don't absorb the that those nutrients very well and so it all kind of it all kind of becomes like it all encompasses the the strategy but like you say having a plan reduces that anxiety reduces that stress and then things tend to click in place you're a bit more clear thinking if there's something that does go awry maybe a blister or maybe like you know a misstep or something like that or maybe it's a bit hotter than you you planned if you're less stressed you kind of think a little bit clearer you kind of um can process this sort of information a bit better and i think yeah race day strategies race day plans i think it's crucial for most people and maybe even sprinkling in some um contingency plans if some what ifs what if i get a blister what if um it's too hot what what's my plan b in those sort of circumstances what if i get a cramp what happens what about if you know those sorts of things um i think can just contribute to settling down a lot of those nerves and um, enhance that race day performance. So cover those points really, really well. Absolutely. And those are the things that we really focus on with our athletes is practicing those things in training. And it kind of goes to, you know, some of the mindset stuff and really having those strategies that we've practiced during training. We're practicing, you know, any negative self-talk that's going to come into play. We're practicing things going wrong during a training run. So then we can be able to deal with those things that will go wrong during a race and practicing your mantras and, you know, maintaining when those negative thoughts that are definitely going to creep in your head at some point of your race, you need to have strategies that you're going to pull from on race day. So those are the the types of things that we definitely work on with our clients during our training cycles um, to make sure that they are ready for race day success. Excellent, Dwayne. Well, we have mindset, strength, run plan, nutrition, recovery, and a race strategy, all very crucial pieces to the puzzle. Um, and so you said that you formulated this into a, a PDF. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So you can get, um, you know, the training, the PDF, and just get all those steps outlined as well as um, links to some of the the, re- the resources that I mentioned. Um, and really the key is when you execute execute these these parts of your running journey not only are you going to feel more confident in getting stronger and faster but you're going to stay healthy and enjoy the process of running again we see so many runners that either are burnt out or don't enjoy it feel like they're middle-aged and just can't do it anymore they're getting too old that is not true we have runners 40s 50s 60s 70s um, who are able to execute these strategies and actually are doing the best running that they've ever done in their life. So you guys can do it too, as long as you implement. So hopefully you learned a little something today um, from Brody and I, and now it's your turn to actually implement these strategies. Well said, mate. Well, all the links and the resources I'll include in the show notes, including the Healthy Runner podcast, which if no one, if someone isn't familiar with that podcast, um, go check that out with the lovely Dwayne imparting a lot of wisdom, a lot of great episodes and interviews on there. So go check that out. Um, Any other links that you want me to include in the show notes? 
Yeah, no, thank you for mentioning that, um, Brody. You know, if podcast is your thing, then yes. And I know, you know, your YouTube channel has been very successful. I love your videos. So if you're a YouTuber, you know, you can check us out at Spark Healthy Runner on YouTube or just go to sparkhealthyrunner.com to learn more about our coaching program or any of the other resources that we have to help you get stronger, run faster and stay healthy. Excellent. All that is included in the show notes. Dwayne, thanks once again for joining me. All right, Brody. It's always a great time chatting with you. Thanks for having me again. And that concludes another Run Smarter lesson. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered and proud to be a Run Smarter scholar. Because when I think of runners like you who are listening, I think of runners who recognize the power of knowledge, who don't just learn, but implement these lessons who are done with repeating the same injury cycle over and over again, who want to take an educated, active role in their rehab, who are looking for evidence-based, long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes. And last but not least, who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it. I look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your Run Smarter path.